tonight's uh, topic is ammunition, um, the different types of ammunition. I mean, I, I realize the trigonometry show traditionally is focused very well, focused a lot on the precision rifle side of things. But I mean, I get a lot of emails from guys buying their first rifle or third rifle or setting a rifle up and um, you do sometimes just realize it's not it's not misconceptions it's just like if you don't know you don't know you know um, I get asked does it matter what ammo am I shooting through through my gun hunting guns match guns as well um, you know what is the difference between this ammo so um, it's not necessarily intense not necessarily to go down the rabbit hole of reloading you know the 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 apps of fine points of reloading but just sort of a bit of overview of yeah, some of the different options and why it might be a good idea to try some different ammo through your gun. So, uh, I mean, starting with that, I mean, yeah, it does. Do, <laughs> real simple ads. Do we feel that ammo actually makes a difference in your guns? I know the answers to a lot of these, by the way. I'm going to, you know, I play devil's advocate with the question. <clears throat> yeah. So from my perspective, if you're... If you're um, Starting, if, if, if you've got a, let's say, a, a, a standard, let's go for a Tika. Um, good, uh, the, what is the Hornady match and the Hornady ELDX? Uh, yep. ELDM, ELDX, yep. Yeah, the match. Uh, I actually, um, one of my mates bought a 6.5 Creed, a Tika, and he asked me, he's just going to be hunting um, or, and maybe just going to be shooting one or two plates uh, out of distance. Should he start reloading? Is it really necessary? And I said, this day and age, buy a box of each. Um, let's go to the range, shoot it at 100, and we see how it goes. Um, I had a, I had a go. He had a go. His brand new rifle, and it shot uh, under an inch, mm. both of the ammo's. And we shot uh, to 200. And I told him, oh, the, you can you can choose between the match or the ELDX. Uh, the precision hunter either way choose one and um just stick with it just buy one lot and just run by let's say 10 boxes and you just put it in your safe and you're all, all good to go um so i think i think ammo um in today's day and age is pretty 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 good you can obviously buy less premium ammo um when i bought my ticker also 6.5 creed is just standard standard 6.5 creed ticker um, I got some, because I bought a second hand, I got some, um, what is it, uh, Hornady Eagle, Eagle, it's a 123 grain SST, I think it's reloaded with, so a way lighter projectile than a 140, comparatively, um, and that shot phenomenally as well, so, um, from my experience, the, the, uh, off-the-shelf ammo in a, <clears throat> standard rifle because when you get into custom builds you get into tire chambers and things can go wrong as well or might not work with with chump and all of that but standard rifle and um and let's say medium to higher end ammo uh is, pr is pretty good surprisingly good actually mm. well p part of what kind of prompted me with this 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 subject tonight was a guy sending me a rifle up new rifle to get set up and he said oh do i need to send it to somebody to get some custom loads made up for it and again ticker t3x i can't even remember what caliber it is you know and i was like well have you shot anything through this yet he's like no i'm like well you might not need custom stuff we might need you know so so yeah so like like you mentioned um 
there's there's almost for for ammo and even factory ammo there's a scale of it right and i know some of the terms and guys will probably as everything that's the internet they'll go oh that's not how it works but you kind of I, I was thinking about it you almost have like you've got your your military surplus we're going to call it which is often the cheap bulk stuff lots of fun shoots of stuff we lost some of it recently which we'll talk about a little bit um then you have your factory ammo which is a scale from cheap to expensive then you have what I call as the custom reloads, which is the guys who are taking your gun, doing a custom load for it, and reloading for you, essentially. And then you have the the deep, dark pit of reloading for yourself, which I think everybody, well, actually everybody here is doing. So, um, you know, and, and guys will have this thing that's like, yeah, we've spent this, I mean, that's the other thing. Guys will spend this money on a gun and a nice nice gun, nice scope, and then try and feed it the cheapest ammo possible not maybe necessarily military surplus, but but cheap, cheap stuff, and and wonder why it's not shooting as well as it possibly could. So, I mean, starting at military surplus, I actually haven't looked or followed it for a while. Do any of you lads know, is there still, we lost traces, we lost AP, is there still a lot of military surplus stuff coming into the country or being available? Not really. It, it used to come in in waves, um, the most recent stuff, would have been all the, like you say, the 7.6 Super 39 Tracer coming mm. in huge quantities. And then there was also a reasonable amount of 7.6 Tuba 54R, which is fired in the, uh, the Mosin and the Gants and uh, Dragonovs and, and, and those sorts of things. Um, again, Tracer's it's gone. Um, it's highly illegal now, unless you yep. have a special uh, certificate attached to your collector's license. And um, I can talk more about it if you want. And then, but then the 54R dried up, which I think maybe was a worldwide thing. Uh, surplus is a funny thing. If there's a big war going on somewhere, especially in the Middle East, a lot of surplus that used to get sort of um, diverted to the civilian markets um, gets diverted to conflicts. So stuff like 76239, even just your normal um, steel core stuff, which is not quite illegal, but questionable. Um, or the 54R. That's they're really popular catches for, for Middle Eastern um, nations and uh, certain groups who do certain things. So my, I'm a huge amount gets diverted there. You know, the Syrian civil war has been going on for nearly a decade. Um, so what we used to get a lot of the Russian and Chinese stuff now, you just don't see again. Yeah. The the demand for seven six two over thirty nine in New Zealand has decreased by probably ninety nine percent being that the fact the majority of the rifles that shot it were um, are now illegal, or at least mostly illegal. Um, you can, there is bolt guns in it, but generally the ammo is not particularly accurate because it's made to be squirted out of a machine gun. Um, and even, I believe, I could be wrong, but the the Rugers in 762 by 3.9, I'm sure it's the Ruger. Yeah, they have. I'm sure they have a 308 bore instead of a 311. So they're actually, they've got a forcing cone in them, so you can shoot a slightly bigger bullet, it'll squeeze it in there, but you can hand load them with a, a more accurate 308 projectile. Mm. But anyway, 303 is pretty hard to get. Um, any surplus you'll find now is worth more as a collectible than, a sh than for shooting. Like a crate of 303 ammo, you put a big box, is, is a very valuable clicker's item, so it's, it's probably cheaper to buy modern production ammo. <laughs> um, and then... <clears throat> Most other things in that you're buying modern boutique batch made ammo. Um, apart from maybe 
you do get some 308 and 223 as well. Is a lot of the surplus coming through? Is it, um, I've got the phrase here, box primer versus bird. What's the other one? Birdan. Birdan. Do we still see Birdan primed surplus? Is that the case? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like I'm th- just pulling the number out of the air, but yeah. in that Crows of Primer era, it was. Okay. Um, which is two flash holes. So if you try to run that through your die, you'll snap your decapitator. You'll snap it, yeah. So for, so just for guys who are looking at buying stuff and then thinking of reloading it, just be aware if it's military surplus, yeah, it might have two primer holes in it and it's going to damage yeah. stuff. You can, there's yeah. ways you can do it, but it's yeah, so just another thing to think about. you can't put a primer into that brass either. <clears throat> so essentially a primer, oh, I need a diagram. The construction of a primer now, you've got your cup, you've got the compound, the, the, the impact-sensitive explosive in it, and then you've got a, a like an anvil. Yeah. And so when the, when, it, um, when, the, when the firing pin hits it, it it's like a hammer hitting an anvil, right? It creates pressure and, and sets off the explosive, and it, 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 all the magic happens. But the um, the older version, the, the anvil itself is actually moulded into the case between the two flash holes. So the primers are a different primer also, so you... Yeah. You have to, if you do want to reload it, you can. You have to hydraulically remove the primers and get a special primer that you sort of find at like military shows and stuff. So again, yeah, three or three brass is not the cheapest, but get new shit. Trust me, it's waste. Yeah, for the for the amount of effort, I, I mean, if you want to do it for not nostalgia, but there's particular, you know, if you want to do it because you want to do it, same reason some people decide to reload twenty two LR, um, you, you can you can do anything if you really want to. But for guys who are just like, oh, I'm going to buy cheap ammo to get cheap brass that I can then reload with, it's like no, it's it's going to be more of a headache than it's worthwhile. I, I find some of that older brass too, um, just through various um, quality storage and you know varying degrees of, of quality how it's been stored some will um, obviously some won't go off but you'll actually have brass like that's um, degrading so you'll have cases um, split in the neck or in the shoulder or separate especially in 303s because 303s have like a known for being poorly headspaced um, or having the wrong bolt in them and stuff and so yeah just get new brass even new brass is probably only going to last like three firings in a 303 degree completely yeah. honest with you really um, just how they work. But yeah, so with the 303s, they'd have, again, I'm no expert in 303s, someone will know more than me, but when they were new, you'd have like a, it'd be head space with one bolt head and then it'd get, it'd get worn and they'd take that bolt head off and put like the number two bolt head on, which was like a little bit pushing it a little bit further. And then when it was quite worn, you'd take that one off, throw that away and put the third bolt head on for its final sort of round of life uh, before it would eventually um, get arsenal refurbished and rebarreled or something. So, um, Imagine shooting the PRS. Imagine having doing PRS with a 303 and then getting to the next match and go, oh, I got the wrong bolt first. I'll just change a bolt over. Has someone else got a bolt I can borrow? Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing with mine is like I was looking to reload for it, and this, the guy said the first thing you need to do is slug your barrel to just figure out what the what actual caliber it actually is, because it's you know guys are yeah putting 308 pills through them for accurate all sorts, but. But then I was like, I don't really care. It doesn't need to be accurate. It's just no. for fun. So the the, the mo- they mentioned I keep mentioning Mosin against, but they're particularly bad. They can vary from about 0.308 to 0.318 in board diameter. Made under duress, a lot of them, right? They were literally like, I'd assemble it and I'd pass it to Blair. He'd run out the factory and start shooting it. Like that's mm-hmm. how bad it got in some situations. So they were like, man, this will be fine. We'll be okay. Um, we'll live. 
Yeah, and then, but the 303s... They weren't doing the craft test with it anyway before no. they were shooting it to understand the shooter number to go out. The, was... Their wobble zone was a little bit... Yeah, yeah. 303s <laughs> are generally a bit better um, quality, but, um, it's, well, a lot better than Mosin against, but um, a 311 bullet is what you need in those for the most part. And Sierra do an excellent 174 match king, which is quite good. If anyone does want to shoot them accurately, or... Shoot a 150 and don't hurt your shoulder as much. Would be my advice. I can see we are going to end up with a 303 show at some point, just for yeah, lols. The un New Zealand not to. Yeah, well, that's actually very true. That's very true. So South Africans shot them. Everyone shot them. Yeah, that's it. Never shot one yet. I've got to get around to it. Get what? out. Yeah. What? Please. What do you? Do you, you never shot 303. No. No. And never, never shot a um semi. Uh, never shot an AR-15 until. Just before they got taken away. <laughs> oh, I like one. I'll get one of these and that. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> it was you. Um, so, no, you've got to shoot 303, though. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure if I go at Sparrowhawk and ask Nick. I'm, I'm sure if you talk to Nick. A nice one. Rit Number might four. bring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rit's probably got some sitting in the cupboard as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So surplus is sort of a, a time and place and intent for it but for a lot of guys are going for, into the store and buying factory ammo and yeah you're gonna most stores normally when you've got ammo sometimes it's at the moment it's sometimes it's what you can get but normally you have about 10 10 12 15 different brands of 7 08 308 six foot different brands different sizes and options within the brands and very quickly can become a little bit overwhelming um you know and there's a marketing thing in it right everyone's going to claim that their ammo is the best and is going to get you more kills and bigger animals and absolutely everything you know um shinier yeah the box is shinier it's got nicer pictures on it something like that um what do you reckon some of the key differences are between it you know i mean i, I know this is a huge question and i know for us you know so to me there's obviously there's going to be projectile weight to me, the other thing I think is, is a big thing for it is consistency between round and round. And that's probably actually one of the most important things is how much were they spitting out 10,000 of them as quickly as possible because they're trying to hit a price point or are they running the machines literally sometimes a little bit slower, which just gives it a bit more consistency. It's not really exciting marketing stuff. Are we turn our machines down to run them slower? Um, but that can kind of result in, in, in just a little bit more consistency. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, projectile choices. Uh, the, the thing I was sort of thinking about it is uh, you talk you talk about the different kinds of ammo and, and different projectiles, ELDMs, SSTs, and nozzles, everything like that. Everybody has got their own theory as to what bullet and what projectile kills more deer than anything else. And you can always find a story of somebody who's used that before and it didn't work and is useless and never would use it. So it becomes very, very confusing quickly if you're trying to get recommendations on stuff. So I guess in the long-winded roundabout way, how would you guys suggest people can get ideas of what, and we're talking probably mainly hunting starting at this point here, to what ammo they should be putting through their gun? Where do you, where do you start? The shiniest box? <laughs> First, like if I was going to buy my 708 go hunting and there's 10 different types of ammo on the shelf, I'd buy three different boxes in the middle of the price range and go out and shoot them and see how it goes. And 
they're all probably going to shoot pretty well. They're probably going to shoot better than you are if you've just brought your 708. And they, you might even be better off going a lighter, lighter projectile, shoot a little bit nicer. Not going to scare you when it, and like a little bit less recoil. Not that they recoil much anyway, but I mean, mm. if you're getting into it to start, taking that little bit of recoil away is going to help. It is going to help. No matter no matter how manly you think you are, take some of that recoil away. It's going to help. And probably going to shoot better. Going to be shoot a little bit flatter. Give you a little bit more allowance for a bad call. Um, go yeah, shoot three different boxes ammo. Try some, and then use what's left and go hunting. Simple, and and uh, and I think anyone not sort of agree with that because I think that's exactly the same thing I'd suggest and do. Yep. Yeah, so you made a good point about the potentially sorry, but potentially running a lighter bullet weight. Um, when we first got into the precision side of things, um, it was all you had to have the biggest, longest bullet you could physically. We didn't actually, I didn't actually understand stabilizing anything, but what the, you know. 300 women, 225 grand bullet, you have to fucking do it. Why wouldn't you do it? This makes sense, right? But then it's like, it fucking beats you up, you know, whereas I should have been like a 180 to start with or something. But you, mm. you know, like even now, 300 women, I shoot at 212. I don't shoot at 225. Um, I was shooting at 230, but it was too heavy. So, but yeah, that's a good point, especially for a new shooter. Dirk mentioned earlier that they were shooting some 123 grain stuff. So both Blair and I have played around with that quite a bit with 6.5 Creedmoor. That's what awesome. I'm, I'm still shooting at the moment. It's wicked. For a long time, until maybe four or five months ago, you could still buy heaps of those projectiles and ELDMs because people were like, that's too light. And it's like, well, not really. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's still a, a good medium, shorter, medium range hunting round. Um, deadly accurate out to a K if you know what you're doing. Um, I shot mine to and, a mile. It's for all back. Yeah. And so that's the thing, because you, you, what you're losing in BC, you're making up in velocity, which is, mm. they run hand in hand for those people who go like, man, I'm shooting a 300 gram bullet out of my wisdom or some stupid shit. Look at the BC, but it's like, you ain't got that BC, boy. You've got a, <laughs> like, you've got like your some 2,000 feet per second BC, read a book. But so, anyway, sorry. But let's re, and in the game, less recall is key, right? You want, yeah. I mean, there's, Trains of thought, the whole no muzzle break, no bipod shit, whatever. But it's not what we do. So you less recoil, spot your shot, and, and that's applicable for hunting too. I like to know. I go instead of shooting, go. Oh, did I hit it? I'm like, no, I watched it hit it in the shoulder. Yeah. Or I, I watched it miss, or I watched it hit its guts. Heaven forbid. And you know you fucked up, or you've made a good shot. And, um, that's not just that, that you wait. That's a hundred other things. Rack another round and and get another one down there. Yeah, and you can you can keep your eye on uh, on the scope easier. Now, there's a whole series of things to learn about recoil management, trip control, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that yeah. go along with that. But like you said, less recoil, less likely to flinch. Um, big plus, in my opinion. Very yeah. good. I guess, I guess on the other side of the spectrum as well. Boxes that you didn't didn't like as as practice ammo. Yeah, just shoot them out to 200 meters or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess on the other side of the spectrum as well is. You'll probably have someone that might buy a, <clears throat> I don't know, a, a Sarko carbon light, one of those more premium um, hunting hunting rifles, and they'll also ask the same question because just because you have money doesn't mean you know you know how to shoot or you know anything yep. about reloading or, or ammo. Yep. Um, and one thing I'd 
maybe caution away from is I don't even know if we get it here, but like I wouldn't buy burger ammo for hunting necessarily because then you're shooting like a let's say a 140 hybrid in the 6.5 Creed and those bullets are match bullets. I, I've never really seen someone shoot with them. And the, the two bullets that I would steer away from, I don't know, you're, maybe you guys have um, other experiences with it. Uh, the 140 ELDMs or ELDMs in general, I'm, I've been hunting with them. They were fine. But something like a, a SMK, Sierra SMK, and, and the burger... Not the hunting ones, but the burger kind of hybrid and match bullets. Um, I think there's quite a few of them that people talk about that they just pencil through, um, or they, or they are very very soft. So if they hit bone, you don't even get any good penetration. So um, uh, coming back to my Soko carbon light rifle, you see a uh, maybe a box of burger 140 hybrids on the on the on the shelf and they the most premium option there. Um, that's probably something that I wouldn't go for if you if you if you're looking at hunting. The CNARs are pretty similar as well. They um they yep. don't stand at all, I don't think. Yeah. I found the same. But I mean there's not a lot of options in your factory ammo because the ELDMs are, are quite quite um um, you, you kind of see them a lot in factory ammo um, uh, um, options, but I'd, I've never. It's only the burger options that I think uh, uh, that's got the Lapua brass and burger burger bullets, and maybe one or two options in Sino and SMK, but I don't know a lot of them. Mm. That, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, again, talking about that idea of match ammo, is I I used to explain to people's uh, yeah. Early days, I was told, don't ever shoot match ammo or match projectiles, I think is probably the better way of putting it, match projectiles in hunting rounds. So, yes, they're, they're the match one, competition one, and they're, they're worth, you know, costlier. Oh, therefore, they must shoot better. Maybe. That's the other thing, is it may not necessarily shoot better. Um, but the other thing is, uh, yeah, the design of them may not suit so much. It's something I was just thinking, and we used to see it a bit. Uh, I actually see it in the when I'm doing the licensing. I used to see it in Gun City as well, and it's something you can probably speak to, Dirk, because it's something I've noticed is you'd have a lot of guys coming over from South Africa or from overseas, and they wanted H and Hs. They were buying 375s for going deer hunting. These big, big cannons, heavy projectiles. Everything was super heavy, and I used to. I, I understand why, because of some of the things that you would be hunting and turn around and try and hunt you. But it was trying to explain to these guys that it's like, yeah, man, there's, there, we don't have rhinos or anything that big that you need these big, big elephant guns or dangerous yeah. game animal guns. Yep. If you still want to go shoot with a 375 H&H and want to shoot a fellow deer with it, go for it. But it's it's kind of overkill for it. But, it, I mean, is that my, my thinking is right with that. That just comes from the fact that y you've come from a country where some of the stuff will turn around and have a go at you rather than just wait for you to shoot it like a deer mine? Yeah. Um, the other thing as well is, is something that I've found it, um, in, in New Zealand, the animals are not as tough. So let's say you're shooting a similar yeah, size. So tough. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. Let's say, let's say you're shooting a, a similar size <laughs> buck or deer. Um, like in South Africa, 
they have to be these, 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 don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think it's because it's it's drier as well. So I, th- I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel I feel like a an Oryx or they people say Gimspock as well. Um, they are tough animals, and I wouldn't shoot them with the ELDM. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll I'll yeah. shoot them with an Acubond. Yeah. Um, where I know well, if I hit bone anything, yeah, not on the skin, but um, <laughs> if it hits any bone, it's it's you want to make sure that you're killing that animal. Yeah. Um, so my my dad's got a 300 H um, and uh, and he loves that gun. And I've but I've I've got a 180 80 grain uh, Acubond that I loaded up with, and that thing is a hammer. Um, but it's it's we shoot bonded bullets there because of, I don't know how. I, 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 bottom line, I just feel like the, the the animals there are tougher, and and yes, there's a bit of a, a side to it where you are might be in a situation where um, there's something that might might want to kill you, but in 95% of the time, it's just because the animals are um, harder to get to to get down. Mm-hmm. So um, and they have so I'm I'm still I'm still kind of um, connected on that side and and a lot of people have moved away from that and now I'm shooting six five Creed Moors and um, I don't know three a lot of people still shoot three oh eights but mm-hmm. kind of six moles here and there as well but they'll still choose a a an actual hunting bullet like an Acubond or a bonded bullet that is so solely made for for hunting and not not target shooting. Yeah, it... listen to the um, podcast that Ryan Kleckner did, where he went to South Africa with a six five Creedmoor. Uh, no, was... no, I might have. I can't remember. They, um, they went over there with the Stella Umbrella guys, and so they were shooting just the soft point six five Creedmoor ammo. And the um, the professional hunters over there, they weren't going to let them use them. They were going to make them use their three hundred win mags, and they went out and did some. Accuracy test proved that they could shoot accurate out three, five hundred meters, and so they went and shot a couple of smaller animals and just dead on the spot, just basic. I think they're 130 soft point, um, just dropped everything dead on the spot. Apart from the warthog, I think they had to put a couple of rounds into one at like five or six hundred meters, but everything else just dropped on the spot. Just a good basic soft point ammo, and just worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. If you if you shoot a, a Springbok or a, a what's it Impala, it's kind of the the deer that up to about 40 kgs <clears throat> or 50 maybe. Then you can shoot all of those. I, I don't I don't see how they're really gonna say no no to that any pHs. But as soon as you start shooting Kudu or Gimspok or or like Black Wildebeest or Blue Wildebeest, those those ones you. Uh, I'd steer clear from it. Jean, uh, one of my mates, he was uh, the other guy on Ricky Precision, man. Um, he he used to be a, a well, he's still a PH, but he used to PH a lot in South Africa, and he told me a lot of lot of stories about bullets and some bullets failing and so on. And and he went over to uh, it's a South African brand, it's called Peregrine Bullets, um, and he said, and he shot a six five Creed all the time, but he said bullet selection was so 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 critical, and. Uh, it was premium bullets, and he just used them from there on. So, um, I guess here I haven't I haven't really experienced something where I felt that the 140 ELDM that I'm shooting for my for my hunting round is insufficient. Um, but if I go back to South Africa, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to hmm. choose a ELDM as my as my top choice. 
if, if anything, the LDM's probably a little bit explodey, and you tend yep. to tend to lose a little bit of meat, especially if you put one on the shoulder. You're probably going to lose both shoulders. You shoot them in a rim mag. Yeah. Well, even even now the two sixty, the the six fives. Um, if you put one through the shoulder, both the shoulders are pretty much stuffed. So I'm lean mm. neck or headshots. Otherwise, it's yeah, you lose a lot of meat. We just shoot ten deer and then just. Well, yeah, we <laughs> do kind of do that as well. <laughs> um, one thing, I guess, in a roundabout way, we've somehow got onto um, safari tips. Um, but we're talking about the soft point ammo. So if you're getting into the game and you want to dabble, not necessarily go and, you know, spend 10 grand straight away on a gun and stuff, soft point ammo will work for medium range precision shooting. So the, the reason we are very, we steer away from a lot of soft point ammo and, and what we do is for the um, generally extremely poor ballistic coefficient, right? So the bullet's slowing down too quick for us, uh, therefore requiring more elevation, more wind drift, uh, less uh, potential energy to see splash or move a target, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. BC probably likely to be consistent too, aren't they? Uh, well, it depends. You get some pretty good ones, but yeah. again, it depends what you're trying to do, right? So if I'm if I'm shooting a match that's only 500 meters, 400 meters, and the targets are generous because in New Zealand we don't run particularly small targets. Um, really, it doesn't matter that much. Like mm. especially when you're new, your skill level isn't going to keep up with the cartridge anyway. So a friend of mine came around here, 243, his mate was doing hand loads. He wanted me to zero it. He had a scope with like rough BDCs, so I sort of figured out where they'd been. It was shooting like a two-inch five-shot group. And he's all, he's like, oh, man, what am I going to do with this? And I said, what are you trying to do? And he's like, oh, shoot, goats and fellow dead at 200 metres. And I was like, well, it will work. And he's like, what do you mean? So I had a gongs. I think they were like a obviously uh, like a six inch at 200, maybe a 10 at three and whatever I had at 10 at 400. And I shot them, bang, 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 all the way out because they're bigger than two minute of angle targets. Yep. Not too much wind, two, four, three is not too bad. And he's like, well, how are you hitting those targets? Because it's not, it's not shooting that accurate. I'm like, those aren't particularly small targets. Right? Yeah. So so if you you can go and buy that, that, that federal blue box that shoots a minute and a half, five shot group or three shot group even, and you'll probably still be okay in... In a, in a medium range event now maybe not an open class or something but in hunting class getting into it um fancy ammo isn't going to make you a good shooter all of a sudden now lying in prone perfect wind you've already fired like 10 shots to get your wind wind hold at a thousand meters and and then you're suddenly center popping yeah that's going to be a lot easier with a, with a premium bullet that's going consistent velocity but Inside practical distances, a lot of that basic ammo, as long as it's not like a scatter gun and it's shooting groups this big, it's going to suffice for a lot of stuff and for a lot of hunters too. A lot of guys hunting will will seek out premium bullets and the best of the best, and they want their hunting gun to be a shoot eighth of a minute, rally rat. But it doesn't really matter. Which we which we all intellectually we all do. I mean, who doesn't want a gun that shoots better than it does already? But the point being is, does it? Yeah, does it need to? I um, I did. I've got it running here in the background, so I'll just do some page switches for for other people here. I've got um the desktop version, which you lads won't be able to see, but um the others will. Um, the desktop version of Applied Ballistics running, and it's got the what they call the Weapon Employment Zone Analysis running in there. So for the guys who can see this on the screen, 
I don't know. What 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 would we call the kill zone diameter of an animal? I, I run with five five inches. Any other takers? Bigger, smaller? Most of it's about ten to twelve inches between like a fellow and a red deer. Exactly. That's so by me even running five inches, I'm being probably more more um critical sure. than I need to be. So I'm gonna call we'll, we'll for the purpose of this, we'll call it a six six inch circle, right? Because if you hit most things as a six inch a circle, it's probably gonna go down. So um, what you can do in this bit of software is you can remove every other variable. You can include standard deviation, wind, everything. I've turned everything off. The only thing we are changing on here is what's called rifle precision. So whether it's a 2MOA gun, a 1MOA gun, half MOA, quarter MOA, or whatever it is, right? Um, now, the other thing is, which people don't account for, this is not just how your gun shoots. This is how you shoot as well, because a half MOA gun can be a two-inch gun when you're breathing hard and... and shooting off the back of the pack or freehand or whatever it is so if we go to um oh hell let's go to 100 meters and uh we'll call it a 2 moa gun so your gun shooting 2 moa so if you get, guys can see the picture you're like within a third of the target size you got 100 percent hit probability if we change that to 300 meters at 2 moa you've got a 99.6 hit probability with a 2 moa gun on a six inch target so it's like, all right, that's cool. What do we need? Five, 500 meters to MOA. Now you got 87% hit. So doing everything right, you're still likely to hit 87% of the time on a six inch target with a two MOA gun. Change just it. Remember to dial. Just remember to dial. Change down to, well, exactly. Not accounting wind. I mean, meter zero. no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could, if I put a wind deviation in here, that's going to give us more, or the standard deviation of the gun is going to do it more. So, one MOA gun, 500 meters, 100% hit likelihood. What's the average, what would we call an average um, muzzle velocity deviation, an SD on factory ammo? What's fair? 30? 30 extreme would be, spread. Good, would be, yeah, extreme okay. spread of. SD, I don't muck with SD too much. No, I know. So now 30 SD, 90... 40. 40, 40 yeah. 40, right. 40 will be fine. Now we've got a 90% hit rate of it. So uh, this is where we hark on about it. We we talk a lot about, you know, the, the, the smallest details and everything, but what's just important as well sometimes that we also remember that you've got to really frame what, what it is you're actually doing and, and stay realistic about some stuff because a 2MOA... Four at five MOA three hundred three infield or stuff has put down a hell of a lot of deer in New Zealand without too much problems. You know, it's not the there'd still be hundreds of deer that die each year in New Zealand bush with three hundred three shooting bullets sideways because of that water. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, they'll be but because it's fifty meters and the kill zones is big. Yeah, it's again, it's just I mean, this is a, it's it's a just. It's a disturbing fact, but a lot of the rifles I get, and even some of them that are apparently zeroed, and the guy's been hunting with that gun for 10 years, and then you realise it's like about three inches, because I talk Imperial for some reason at this moment, it comes to guns, it's three inches off the zero, and he's been whacking animals all over the place. It's like, yeah. So I, your gun's not even zeroed, and you're still hunting a, well. A, a friend of mine made a good point the other day, he's a very experienced precision shooter, hunter, and he said, there'll be a lot of guys who they will shoot hundreds of deer a year, Bush bush style hunting, but he said they'll never tell you about that second shot they shoot. Mm. So they'll shoot it with a bad shot, and then they'll plug it again whilst trying to get up. So just a thought. Yeah. But um, that we said it doesn't matter. Now a bullet hitting sideways is not as nice as a bullet hitting 
I say nice, as ideal as a bullet hitting as intended with a, um, a bullet design that works, right? Um, but it's still a lot of energy, a sideways bullet, and they're not going to go in straight. They're going to do all sorts of weird shit, so, but they won't expand. But you've also got a bullet tumbling. Tumbling. So. Well, it's funny. I was thinking, uh, like you said, uh, like you, you check us by saying it doesn't matter. Yes, of course, it still matters how well your gun shoots, but it's, I guess what the thing is, it's like it, it does matter, but at the same time, there's this middle ground between a gun that's just not even zeroed and was laser ball sighted at the store and you're going shooting and a precision rifle worth 20 grand to go bush hunting with. You know, there's actually a real big middle ground that we seem to forget about. It becomes this absolute one way or the other. Um, yeah. The other thing that I've, I've, sorry, the other thing that I've found as well is the, the kind of let's say mid-range ammo. Uh, let's again fall back to that 123. I think it's a SST. I don't know, um, 65 Creed ammo. Um, that bullet, like you said, Graham, it's got a not a very good VC. But one thing that people that are starting out um, should kind of don't jump into the high BC stuff first because normally the mid the mid BC bullet that's not optimized for the for the absolute most precision most highest BC bullet is mo is most of the time very forgiving as well. So that'll shoot out of most of the rifles as well. Where you'll find if you if you buy it's probably not just match and some of the match ammo maybe, but the highest if you buy the highest BC ammo um there is i'd say a higher chance that your rifle won't shoot that uh, sh shoot it that as well as the kind of the, the, the mid bc mid bc bullets because they're just easier and they're designed to be easier to shoot as well um and not to be finicky so just a just something to to note that's a good point because the higher bc if we're talking about like variances and bullet weight on say an ELDM right so you got 147 being the longest down to I think they do 100 grain maybe 6.5 yep so it's, it's this very similar bullet but BC's different right so one's longer than the other so that bullet weight makes it longer longer the bullet generally means better BC where you can also go wrong by going right up to the highest degree is your gun might not stabilize them now not so much of an issue in the Creedmoor Creedmoors are awesome for doing everything well uh, people will hate me for saying that, but they just work. If you're still calling them gay, get over yourself. But like 308, you might not be able to stabilise a 178. You might not be able to, you're probably not going to stabilise 200 or like people try to shoot like two, 225s and stuff. I don't get it. But yeah. yeah. So, so going back to that mid range, like, like Dirk says, so, so like, uh, uh, so 308, right? It's like a 168, maybe max, I'd probably go, or a 155 even. And then you're more likely to it will work because you might get some heavy bullets that are too long. You can't stabilize them. You're shooting them. You're thinking this ammo is junk, but it's like, well, no, it's just not matched. You're not stabilizing your bullets. So it's it's um it's well, coming again. Out, you're getting on. back to keyholing through paper at a hundred and stuff, and well, the things are starting to that. tumble. It might not be tumbling. It, it might poke a nice hole through the paper. Yeah. But but the the it's, the groups are very open. But it's just because it's it's spinning, but it's not stable in the conventional sense i guess how am i phrasing this but but yeah it's just um i've played around with like the upper limits of what things will do with like screen wind mags and stuff and you just if you, you you're on the edge of things and I, I i'm getting to the point where i want to just bring things back into like a more stable zone and mm. 
and again not panic about having the best DC and and stuff like that and more go for less recall yeah well it's another interesting thing in New Zealand we see because we it's quite cool in New Zealand that we get stuff coming in from stateside and we get a lot of stuff coming in from Europe and you see that there's different ways of approaching things and flavors and guns and optics and ammunition and the the Sarko ammo when that came through because it was sort of European based I think a few people looked at it and it was lower projectile weight that we're a lot of used to because of the American stuff coming through and people like but but it's also light but again it's just it's become this trend through marketing and bits and pieces that we've gone heavier and heavier and heavier projectiles and I I was talking to some of the old couple of the old boys uh, a couple of nights ago and someone was looking at subsonics and was talking about 180 grain projectiles through a 308 and the guy had missed the subsonic element of it because there's reasons you run heavier projectiles and that's that's all good but he just turned around and this guy's dropped a lot of animals he's like what the hell are you shooting with 180 grain in New Zealand bush is there's no we don't have elephants there's no elephants around and obviously not literally an elephant gun but you know but yeah, so even the old fellas who've shot a lot of deer again, they haven't necessarily gone onto these heavier projectiles. There's a little bit of, um, like everything, a little bit of marketing, and you need heavier, heavier. But you got to have the whole picture, otherwise, um, yeah, it gets out of whack with everything else. And and even if you run those ballistics with an average BC um, and a lighter projectile, probably out three, maybe four hundred, you'll be better off in any ways. Five, six. I was I did it recently for the six Creedmoor because I could only find some lighter projectiles. So I was like, all right, let's actually run the numbers and see if I run a lighter projectile, probably get a bit more speed. Where does it make any difference? And at 600, 700 meters, it was like 0.1 mil of elevation, I think it was, and about yeah. 0.1 mil of wind. I don't shoot in under point. Sure, yes, theoretically, yes. Let's have that point do. one. Of course I do. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, the reality of things when you and this is the thing, and anybody can do this. You can download a free app on your phone and actually just punch the numbers. So instead of listening to four guys talking about all this stuff and high BC, low BC, this projectile, just run the numbers yourself over a cup of tea and have a look and go. Well, how much difference does that that really make? You know, um, that's all the th- you can do all that theoretical. There's there is. There's an element of wanting, which Blair said right at the top of the show, of actually taking the three kinds of ammo and shooting them through the gun because some will just like the combination of barrel length and chamber and everything, and some will shoot better and less better, and that's there's, that is that a factor as well. But just from a theoretical thing, is it's a really good idea for guys to sit down with a calculator and look how much difference does that BC actually make? How much difference does that extra fifty feet per second make if, from a reloading thing if I'm chasing the fastest thing? versus the fact my gun's now straining and sticky bolts and everything. What do I really lose if I take it back 50 feet per second and have a gun that runs smoother and never, never, you know, I don't end up with powder in my action or any, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I always encourage guys to run that stuff. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's the other thing as well. Look at it, get some figures, go online. I For the figures I just put into the uh, applied ballistics before, I just jumped onto the Hornaday site and got a 7 mil weight. They've got their BCs, they've got the average, what they're going to expect out of the muzzle. Always assume it's a little bit faster than what you get out of any gun that we'll ever shoot it through, but that's fine. It works, compare. Um, yeah, and crunch some numbers that way. So factor ammo, there's, there's a lot of options. Best thing, I think, Blair, best advice is right at the top is get some different kinds of ammo go spend a day shooting it go get used to your new gun and the new optics and everything anyway 
the the idea of buying a box of ammo, shooting a couple of rounds through it, zeroing and going hunting with it just get scares me as overly dramatic. But I'm like, come on, we can do better than that, lads, for our shooting. So and maybe, and maybe if you if you buy three boxes and if you don't know the twist rate of your barrel, um, maybe buy three boxes of ammo with kind of a heavier, a mid, and a lighter projectile, and kind of then you can actually maybe test the projectile weights as such and say, all right, my rifle thinking, um, rifle mid, mid weight shoots well. And then you mm. can probably hone it in a bit, little bit, have a look at what else is there. Um, if that shoots well, you obviously can stay with that. But if that's kind of something that you it's shot the best, but you're still not happy with it, maybe look at, let's say with 3.8, look at the the what they offer in 150 grains. If the 150 grains, for example, shot well, buy two other boxes, Hornady and Nozda or whatever, I don't know, yeah. um, and and go with that. And and I'd say that that would be a that would be a, my approach if I didn't know the twist rate. If you do know the twist twist rate, and some the guy behind the counter knows a bit about weight and twist rate and bullet weight. Um, yeah, see, that's let me know where he is. Caveat there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we so maybe just maybe just go light, medium, and heavy, and just go from there. We've been we've been yeah. cool, but yeah, yeah. I've got a red Sometimes. box, I've got a blue box, and I've got a white box. <laughs> what one do you want? So, um, okay, so the other one is my mate's got the same gun as me. I've just bought myself a T3X uh, 7mm08 because I live in Auckland and drink lattes. Um, his uh, He's got Hornaday XYZ ammo because I don't... Uh, anyway, anyway, shoots really well through it. Can I just get the same stuff? Will it just shoot the same through my gun? We've got the same guns. Steal your mate's ammo and shoot lots of that and then get lots of practice with that and then actually find out what your gun actually likes. <laughs> uh i would say so the the closest comparison i can do to this is i've shot the same factory ammo in my tika t3x 65 creed that my mate bought in his tika t3x 65 creed as well and uh specifically the um precision hunter which is the 143 ldx and the 140 eldm which is the precision match shot pretty much the same um but then again yeah you yeah your mileage might vary but um uh i think with modern modern ammo and i'd say modern rifles not a, a, a pre 2000 maybe model i don't know <laughs> um you 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 should be able if if, if you buy two hour six five creeds two hour three oh eights whatever, and you buy factory ammo, I'm not talking about reloading, um, then you should be able to get pretty similar results, I'd say. I, I think I think the nature of all of us on here would all go, well, we want to test it because that's what we do. We want to yep. test it. But on the flip side, again, in the context of a conversation where we're having where we can all, all get a little over top of it, for bush hunting and stuff, yeah, it would actually be pretty damn good you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a gun that just decided it was going to shoot five moa it would actually have a faulty gun probably it'd be the issue if it was that bad but but on the flip side i would still encourage people to then um you know in the, in the bigger picture go improve yourself go learn go get some practice and go do that because it's also range time it's also practice time 
and you might find they shoot the same, but you've also come out of it with some more shots down your gun and a little bit more practice behind the rifle. And that's more, maybe sometimes when I'm saying to guys, they're like, oh, my gun shoots as well. I'm like, best thing you can go do is shoot and go practice. Maybe a lot of my underlying intent behind that is actually just go and shoot some more, go and practice some more. And we'll call it in the guise of testing ammo, but let's just get some more rounds through before you, you turn onto a live target. Cause I think most of us could probably benefit from more practice. Don't we all like shooting? Yeah. Isn't that the whole point? Yeah. Everyone here, yes, but I, but there's guys who like hunting. You know, there, there's a difference. And not no, not necessarily. They don't necessarily want to shoot more. They want to just go fill the freezer or go for the hunt or go do what it is. And those are the guys I encourage to go, that's cool. Um, but part of that is um, learning your tools. You know, you sharpen the knives, we'll sharpen your shooting at the same time, you know. One of my excuses when hunting is my knife's generally quite blunt, so I don't have to gut the animals. <laughs> and and the people I hunt with, Mark and Leon and that, they're that good at gutting animals. They just kick me out of the way now because they can yep. do it in about a minute and it takes me about 15 to 20. And I, I bloody moan. Ugh. So I just don't have to do it now. It's quite great. It's <laughs> like, like doing the dishes at home. You do a shit job a few times and you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Then when you do something at work, just fuck it up and then you'll never have to do it. Again. Yeah, it'll never be a problem again. Yeah. Okay, so factory ammo. So um yeah, go go test, shoot guns more, everything we talk about. This is the great thing of everything. You can test everything. That's the beauty of it, right? Um custom ammo. So by what I mean by custom ammo is the services where guys will take your gun, work up a load for you, and return it to you normally with the Sometimes with the recipe, sometimes they'll just load up for you, often zero the rifle, often give you the ballistic charts, do the whole packages, the whole thing. Um, I had a guy recently who had bought a new, and I'm not, it's not ticker night, but it was a T3, had a Ranger scope on it, which, you know, um, and said, oh, should I send it off and go get a custom load done for it? I, was, I didn't really, it was only afterwards I realized because I looked at what was on the actual top of the gun, I'm kind of like hang on, we may have this a little bit backwards here where, you, where you're going to spend your money for it. Um, I, I never have because I got into reloading quick enough that I just never had. Have any of you guys ever used a service like that? I know it's the wrong audience here probably for this question, but... Yeah, I had a guy load up three to win mag me when I first got into it. Um, yep. Of varying, <coughs> varying <laughs> degrees of... Uh, then sound an unsatisfactory. <laughs> uh, no, nah, but I had shit bring like, up trauma. Primers not seated properly, you know, half poking out and all sorts of issues. Like yep. the ones that weren't didn't fail the visual QC shot pretty good. Well, what I thought was good at the time. See, this is another acceptable results when I first started are not acceptable results now. So, but um, but yeah, it's getting into reloading when you're new to it can be daunting, dangerous, and um a lot right expensive so if someone you know like i load for several people um, i don't obviously do it to make money and i think just for friends and family but um mm. but yeah it's just yeah, again I, I think you're better off to buy a good factory ammo personally if you can um then unless, unless you've got something a bit different that you can't necessarily get the grain or projectile that you need like if you're i don't know shooting a six five psalm or something like that 
you're obviously then you should have then you should have started you, that should have been your first rifle and you should have already known how to reload or, or a two <laughs> my opinion or a 260 rim that's pretty common but okay three ammo is pretty shit yeah yeah uh, that's uh, a good point yeah they're getting those sort of boutique calibers yeah. um or, or there might might be some obscure ammo you can buy but it's like seven short action ultra mag okay you're new to it maybe just get a seven more rim mag yeah. yeah, but again, guys are going to buy their life. Okay, I'm not going to tell people what to do. That's hey, wrong, 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 wrong. these guys picking up the different blaza rounds and stuff like that, and you're not going to buy that off the shelf anyway. So if you bought yourself a 300 blaza or a whatever it is, somebody has have to got to reload it for you. And it, I, I guess what I not caution people is that I again I think people take it with a grain of salt. They they buy into the marketing or they buy into the latest and greatest round or whatever it was, and um. Ones that feed more. <clears throat> yeah, it is, the, it is the latest and greatest. Not the no, latest, six, six, six five PRC <laughs> is the latest and greatest. Um, yes, yes, but here's but the difference being is that say that you you the the beauty of six five Creedmoor is you would walk in and there was factory ammo on the shelf, so quickly and factory guns. So for a guy who then buys a. 28 Nozzler is probably in the middle of it, but like the Blaza, 300 Blaza or Storm or these different derivatives or the hot-rotted cartridges for their first gun, right? Because people do. They've read it and somebody shoots it at everything and they get, or edges, you know, stuff like that or some, you know. And what happens is they work themselves into a corner where now there's only one person in the country, and I know a guy's got a gun, where there's only one person in the country really who can reload for it because of the dies and it's a proprietary wildcat. And they can't always get ammo out of them because sometimes they're busy. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so you if you're going to do that, you need to get it sorted and, and go buy 100 rounds so that you've got no, no issue. You don't want to be ringing them up and going, I'm going for a hunt in, in a month. Can I please get some ammo made? So I do know of a couple of people who found themselves in that situation. And I've then got to think, well, a 300 wind mag would probably still have killed the deer equally dead at that distance as would have been 308, all these different things as well. So it's... it's so, so, so let's let's say you buy a 260 uh, uh, off the shelf, 260, and um, now you're kind of in that situation where you really where it, it, it sounds like a good option to get someone to do uh, quote-unquote custom ammo for you. Um, I'm a new shooter. I don't need, so obviously people are going to tell you to vet the person, have a, have a look, do they, do they produce good results? But I'm a new shooter, so I don't really know how good know. results. Oh, but if I look at a reload around, how am I going to see if the primers are pushed in far, far, far enough? Or kind of what? What is the what is the process you guys would say um, when when you're going that route um, and saying, okay, well, I'm I'm going to give this a go, and and kind of the 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 yeah the process you would take in order to make sure that that it doesn't turn out dangerous at the end of the day. That's why you're hopefully paying decent money to get decent mm. stuff. But even then, how do you know? I, 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 like, I, I, obviously, I don't know because I haven't. I don't know anyone that does does yeah. for a living or as as an extra income. Um, and I'm sure there's uh, uh, guys that are very all, good. All I all I suggest is that aren't. 
there's a difference between the guy you met in the pub who said, oh, I'll whack up some loads for you and get it sorted versus the guy who everyone refers, you know, there's a few names around. And I again, it, yeah, you it's social proof, right? You're going to have to go off reviews of other people. Do you know anyone who's done it? Um, I would be careful of, like, I regularly get asked, hey, can you do a load up for me or do loads? I'm like, no, like Graham, I reload for a couple of guys. It's not really something I want to do as a business. Um, there's guys who have been doing it in New Zealand for a very, very long time. And what I would maybe suggest for some of them is there's, uh, there's a few that they may not necessarily make your gun the world's most accurate gun in the world, but their reloading practices are safe and they're doing it to a standard because that's actually what the, you know, and they're probably, you'll find, yeah, you'll find they reload for weird stuff as well. And it really is a service for them. They're not just like a hot rod company who are going to try and do, you know, give you a, a, a max pressure load because then it looks like the speed is super fast and therefore, you know, and yeah. So, I, and you're right, it's hard to tell. And this is, this is the trick. I mean, like Fraser said, just, just learn to reload, but it's a time thing for guys. So I guess out the other side, that's where I then push and go, well, shoot your gun. If you've got yourself a brand new gun that shoots sub MOA anyway, and with some factory ammo, some of them will shoot half an MOA, to start throwing numbers around, that's fine. Do we need I mean, it? But you know, if, if you do go buy your six five PRC and you're gonna go shoot twenty rounds a year, and that's it, it probably is really good value for money to just get someone to pay pay someone to build you good ammo. Mm. If you don't, if you don't want to go, if, you, if for some reason that you can't go down the factory ammo line, if you're only shooting 20, 30 rounds a, a year, it probably is worth paying four or five dollars around and paying someone to do it rather than starting from scratch building your own reloading kit mm. I, I think definitely if you're going down that reloading because it's okay so so customs right there's only so much we can talk about. Let's, let's kind of now slide into that reloading side of things because again some people want to reload because they enjoy getting their nth degree other guys find themselves having to reload or they feel they have to reload to get the most out of their gun and it's worth pointing out that reloading, there's reloading and handloading. I did an article years ago about it and saying, look, there's a difference between just reloading mass. We just need to reload to have some money, uh, ammo. It's good enough. And handloading, which is learning the ins and outs. But yeah, worth noting that you can make dangerous ammo quite easily if you don't know what you're doing. It's not as... It is as simple as getting a Hornady Classic kit and some bits and pieces in a reloading manual and spending some time in your, your shed. But it's also not, depending on how how inclined you are to actually read that and understand. You know, it's a real hard one because, yeah, reloading's easy, but no, reloading's not easy because the results could be terrible if it goes wrong. So, Like like a lot of other um, people in... With, with with new things they buy, they normally throw away the, the manual. Um, when it comes to reloading, please read the manual because yep. that's maybe the one time in your life that it's a good idea. I read three <laughs> or four, I think, before I started making my even my first round. I had most of the shit that I needed to, to start doing it, and I brought three different books. I think I downloaded three three different books, read them on, on a, um iPad or whatever, and... Yeah, didn't touch anything until I'd gone through every possible scenario. Mm. Yeah. You're going to love my first reloading. Uh, I bought a Lee hand loader 
Do you know what that is? Get the little white box you're going to trade me, and it's got like a like a die, and you smack the case in. Oh, you, there's a little thing that sits in. You deprime it with a manual pin, and then you smack the case with a hammer into this like forming <laughs> die. They're like for like backcountry hunters and like yeah. preppers and shit. And then that must, I guess, that somehow like sets a rough neck tension because you're not pulling anything back through it to set an exact one. And then you have a scoop, and it's like two scoops of powder or whatever the fuck it is for that. It's, so it's a volumetric measurement, a really rough volumetric mm. measurement. Like, is it heat? Don't, don't, like, I want to go with change your powder. Well, no, it didn't give you a powder type, right? This shit's from the fucking 80s. And then you turn the die upside down, put the case on the little base holding thingy, slid the die over the case, it's kind of loose, and then you drop projectiles through the top, and you'd have like a, a, um, a another pin with a. Um, um, point machined into the end of it so it didn't smash your projectile and you hammer it into a stop and that seated your bullet. This is two, two, three. And um, I remember I could hit, I had like a gong at 100 meters and I had like a picnic table and I could hit the gong. And for me, with my red dot, and I was like, fucking done. This is We're good. Because like, it, it was that early era of my shooting where it was yep. just like military surplus, like bang, 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 bang. Um, good to go. <laughs> What a process. Now I look back at it, I'm kind of like, mm, yeah. Um, but it's just, I remember my missus complaining because I used to do it in the spare room before I moved here in this little house we lived in. So I'd be smacking this bloody thing. Away the in the oh, what, like an old timber-floored house. It was all making a racket. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, obviously things got a bit more advanced um, now. <laughs> but that's how I started. I didn't know. Uh, the internet wasn't... There's plenty of shit on YouTube, but... Also, back then, I was, it was like 10 years ago, right? And you're sort of like, yeah. oh, I don't want to spend $500 on a reloading kit. I got this for 60 bucks, right? And you don't know what you don't know. No. Exactly. And there wasn't there wasn't precision shooter back then. There wasn't mm. any... Well, I wasn't doing precision stuff. Anyway, I was literally just like three or threes and shit, two to three. But um, I guess the New Zealand resource wasn't there as much online. Um like now, if I was new to it, I could just message Kerry, I can message Flea or whatever. I can message someone like myself and like I get two or three messages a day. Yeah. Um, and I, I never give out charge weights or nothing, but I generally steer guys to factory ammo if I can, but um, it just wasn't there. We'd, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, even when I got into precision. I think, yeah, I think that's the thing though. You just have to weigh up how much am I doing? I think I, when I got going, I, I started, I was buying factory ammo for the rifle and then I got into pistol shooting. So pistol shooting was a little bit different in that you were shooting 100 rounds on a weekend, and there was a, there was the actual economics of it, you know, and it was sat down, figured it, got a spreadsheet out, figured out how many, where's the cost analysis, where does it, you know, how many shots do I have to round bef- shoot before it makes sense. I was lucky I um, had one of the guys at the club took me under his wing and said, come around, you can basically make some ammo up, you know. It was a, I, I, learned the, I learned the trick of having showing a guy how to reload because then you leave him and he ends up making a pile of ammo for you as well where you sit there and have a cup of tea and a biscuit behind him. I realised that was the shtick. He said, keep going, man, now you're making me some ammo. I'm like, yeah, okay, all right, cool, that's, that's fine. But... So that was a good way to learn with somebody, you know, keeping an eye on them. We went through, showed me the queue quality assurance and the checks afterwards. And it wasn't just, you know, it's like, you we're watching. No, that one's not, that and everything. And then, yeah, just progressively got into it. So, I mean, reloading's that thing you just have to weigh up. If you're going hunting and you've got a gun or two, maybe reloading, the economics isn't there. But 
was, I was thinking about it on the flip side as well. There is a certain satisfaction of um, going from right that beginning of that process of making that ammunition, putting that ammunition together, putting that, learning the zero, learning the ballistics, putting it in the gun, shooting, and being successful. And that that if that's the way you're inclined, yeah, that is pretty satisfying to know that you've gone all the way through that process and done that whole thing. Other people, like I said, you know, they, they're not there to reload. They're not really there to shoot. They just want to drop animals. So, no, you don't need to get into reloading, you know. There's enough factory ammo out there these days anyway. Yeah, I guess you made a good point with the pistol shooting stuff. Um, volume is high, uh, a lot of semi-automatic fire. Obviously, that was similar for the three-gun guys before that turned to custard. Um, but, yeah, 20 rounds a year, even if you're buying a $200 box ammo, scheme of things it's far cheaper than buying a reloading setup one thing we mentioned earlier how do you vet guys for loading your ammo but how do you get into it if you want to load your own is deer stalkers pistol clubs um obviously these aren't precision shooting orientated associations or organizations but there will be guys there who hand load or load progressively or half a hundred different ways of doing things and you'll generally be able to feel out and talk to some guys. And, and normally, if you're not a complete weirdo, they'll invite you around and, and um, you know, teach you some things, take you under the wing. They might even give you an old press man or something. You never know. But a lot of guys are really interested in passing on their, well, it's not a trade, but their craft, well, what they've learned over 50 years. Um, not to say that there's guys who haven't been loaded 50 years and they're still doing it a really bizarre, unsafe way. So... But um, like if you go and there's like black powder all over their bench and they're like smoking cigarettes and stuff and there's fucking primers on the floor that are live, um, we'll pick the primers up because they're hard to get. But um, <laughs> probably not the guy, right? Um, yeah. But if it's like... A t- if, you don't, if you don't know that sort of stuff, what to expect when you go into it, it's pretty hard to go, oh, this, this, obviously, this might be normal. This is how you meant to do it. Take up smoking. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 you meet a guy on the range and he's um he's struggling to lift or to eject the round after each shot, maybe maybe don't go reloading with him. That's, uh, that's maybe a little bit of a riskier start. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, if you're listening to us, you know a little bit and you know enough when to say no. Consent. Yes. It's all about consent. Wait, <laughs> is it? Are you on the right channel? <laughs> okay, so um, we should do an after dark podcast, Kieran. Yeah, there's, there's going to be there's going to be. I confirm your age. Yeah, and I don't have the two kids sitting behind me either. Would be the other one. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, you know, reloading. So I think the big thing is for a lot of this is it's it's forces for courses. Eh, people can get themselves awfully wound up about this, and and on the flip side. For the guys who are shooting ELR and they are shooting boys down south, some of the guys up north where they're shooting over a K, shooting to a mile, going for 2K, that's a whole different world. If you're doing bench rest, it's a whole different world. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we're looking, I'm contacting some guys. We're gonna, I'm going to get some bench, bench rest, bench rest guys on here. We're going to get some F-class guys on here. We'll get some ELR guys on here to talk about that very specific discipline. Yep. But... I've, this is almost what I like about the field shooting and the hunting. One, they're actually very similar in some ways because of the the skills and everything. This guys will also argue this they're completely different as well. But 
but they're also they're not necessarily you don't have to be running on the bleeding edge of stuff to do well it's there is still the fundamentals the shooting hang on i should rephrase it all shooting sports you still have to have the fundamentals and the skills and everything but it's certainly not like bench rest where you're trying to get these teeny teeny tiny little things which does become a feat of engineering to achieve it it's a different skill set for it um but yeah uh, like i say i think it was a combination of things for me in the last week that just kind of spurred this basic conversation about it you know the guy who had the 500 dollars scope and was looking at getting custom ammunition you know or the guy who's just bought his first rifle is like oh do i need to get in reloading now to get the most out of it it's like not necessarily i mean if you want to and you, if, if you like that idea of playing with with toys and stuff and gear and going down that path then do it man because yeah it can be a hell of a lot of fun but it's not necessary to get into this stuff to to have all that gear and to go so deep so quick take take your time basically a, le- a yeah. lesson will be far more as in a lesson in, in shooting from someone more experienced or an instructor or something will be far more valuable than uh, i get lessons <coughs> still people like oh you know what you're doing not really still learning uh I'm better than I was a week ago due to a certain amount type of practice, like targeted practice I've been doing. One thing maybe on that strand, I don't shoot for the sake of shooting anymore. Like, okay, maybe I'll shoot like an old black powder gun or something. But if it's anything precision, I'm going, it's either competition or I'm going with like targeted ideas on what I'm training in, weaknesses, certain drills, everything like that. I don't just shoot. I don't just go and like, Proceed round after round at my thousand meter target. I don't, I don't do it like unless I'm validating something. But oh, everything's targeted now. So my groups are smaller. My positional groups are getting smaller. Um, so rather than like me trying to tune my load more, I'm actually trying to improve my shooting more. If that makes sense. I know it's not really the point of the podcast, but it's in a roundabout way. You're not nearly as good as you think you are even the really good guys yeah and so um before i forget um what i wanted to say about if you're a first round buyer of a rifle there's a lot of shiny rifles on trade me um and a lot of custom builds that people are selling my advice would be um if you're if you're buying your first let's say um precision rifle or a hunting rifle as well buy something that is uh, a common caliber and that is uh, off the shelf rifle something like a hawa something like a tika something like yep. there's a lot there's a lot of other options as well um but 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 uh i've i've got a custom action i've seen a lot of custom custom bills as well these nothing is as straightforward as the guy that's selling it to you that he says it's this is uh this is a a, a a ready to race rifle there's always a bit of tinkering and there's always a bit of things and 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 i like it to a certain extent because i um or a, a lot of the more experienced guys like it as well because there's they know how the rifle works but if you don't know necessarily all the the ins and outs of it get something standard um off the off the shelf and something that you can get factory ammo of um and go and shoot and go and practice because you're gonna have more headaches um in your reloading room or if your rifle's just going to stand in the safe and it's just going to be just going to be a hindrance at the end of the day um and you're not going to enjoy shooting it's going to be mm. a very bad experience 
And hopefully the guy that you've brought it off has tried his three boxes of ammo and said this box ammo shoots better than these other three boxes of ammo and you've got a yep. pretty good starting point. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was something... You're not investing huge dollars. Like say you're paying a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks. I'm not talking about scopes, but base rifle. And then life gets in the way. You don't get out shooting. You don't get to the comps you planned on doing. You know, it can be any second be same for cars, dirt bikes, chainsaws, whatever, right? You buy the thing that sits in the shed, does bugger all, chuck it on a trade me, someone's gonna snap it up. Mm. You might lose a hundred bucks, you might not lose anything. You might, you know what I mean? So mm. if you have like you say, say dirt's got a really nice setup, if you chuck it on a trade me, you might struggle to sell it, or, or he's not gonna necessarily get anywhere near what he's put into it. But one of those base model entry level guns, everything shoots minute of angle now. It's just how it works, right? They're just modern engineering. It's not that hard. The gun can, where the U can's another story. Yep. Um, a, a custom. There's a saying. I've actually got it written down here. A ten thousand dollar rifle doesn't mean shit if you're a five dollar shooter, right? You hear it on other podcasts, but it's true. So, mm. um, but I'm a ten dollar shooter, so it's, <laughs> you're a rookie. <laughs> Pretty. Much. No, no, but but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's like proper practice. Yeah. People will get yeah. lucky and they'll get the odd good result, but it's you watch the guys who are consistently out there, they, they practice, they practice fundamentals um, yep. and they're less worried about fucking having the best bullet and having the fastest bullet. They're just practicing. Well, it was something we, we talked about and it, again, it's not necessarily the, the topic of it, but I think it's just a general good thing. We were talking about it before we went live, Graham, with about you doing the target shooting is whatever you're doing, whether it's testing ammo, testing guns, testing your shooting is first, there you go. First, you need to define the metric that it is that you are actually trying to test, which is the whole, this is the difference. This is intent. There's certain podcasts now, this is like the intent, or we'll we use the term mindfulness behind the rifle. Why are you out there doing that? And it might be because I want to improve my shooting, sort my zero, whatever it is, but have some intent as to what we're testing and do it. And then the other top tip for that is isolate it down to one factor change one thing at a time don't change your scope and your ammo and your gun and the way you shoot all in one go because you'll have no idea where that improvement or change really was do it one thing at a time and it's frustrating because we want to change everything and make everything better and we've read 10 articles so we know 10 different things to add in but you even myself you so quickly get locked into um or yeah the, the the brain just goes i don't know i've changed five things i don't really know what one made the difference it's better but maybe i've also somehow hampered myself in one of those other things which i'm only going to figure out in three months time because of something i've done so you know that would be the same thing factory ammo testing gun testing whatever you testing um yeah define what it is you're testing and then just test one thing at a time not 50. it, it can be very hard to figure out how to test, what to test, what is going wrong though. True. Again, I was talking about before, I had a bunch of problems with um, supported positional trending high. So, you know, talked to Simon, we went, come out with a big lesson, went over and we just like instantly um, found these issues. Now it took me a while to remedy them and because there's so many issues, um, I sort of, I tried to work on like two at a time and yep. then like go back and I'd talk to him and doing this and I'll, you know, I'd film stuff and all sorts of and just try and build myself through them and, and reinforce them. Most of it, again, it's positional shooting, supported positional. And now I've, I feel like I've got that reasonable. So I've moved it into unsupported position 
optional, which for the North Island guys is becoming more of a thing in our events, much to the competitors' disgust. Um, but it's it's and it's really what's the deciding factor in competitions now is is, is several bits of um, unsupported shooting. So so again, even harder. So trying to figure that out, but um, knowing okay, it's not working, but then why is it not working? So it can be, okay, you get to a certain point where you can still think that maybe it's doing this and that, but if you're new, you don't have fucking clue, man. So it's good to talk to someone. I mean, hey, I'm definitely no expert in it, but you can film it, send a video, and there might be some glaringly obvious things I might be able to help with. But again, I'm, I get advice on this myself, so I'm not going to hey. and, and And even when you film it and... Um, because I've obviously I've filled myself self as well and not necessarily sent it to someone else, but just had a look at it. And there's a lot of good other content on, uh, well, you'll, you'll be able to go through YouTube and there's, there's a lot of the top guys. Actually, you can see um, how a lot of those guys are shooting and you can make that comparison. You can immediately see oh, that is glaringly obvious what I'm doing wrong here and what I'm doing wrong there. Um, so it's good just in general, even if you're not sending it to someone else, just to film yourselves, to have a, a point of reference. Um, and uh, it's also pretty cool if you start improving and you can see those changes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, good. All right, lads. Final thoughts on ammunition? Shoot lots. Shoot lots. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Practice with a 22. Get a good 22. 22... Uh, Sort of amplifies issues, um, so it's a really good way to. Uh, it's cheap, with. as well. Uh, yeah, I just I gotta go pick up a three hundred dollar brick tomorrow, so <laughs> not so cheap anymore. Really match? <laughs> no RWS R fifty. Oh no! And it's expensive at wholesale. <laughs> Still very expensive. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yes, uh, CCI standard, but hard to get at the moment. But uh, stick to your, your sort of um transonic sort of ammo's or subsonics. From a reputable brand, but practice with that, um, and then, yep. then especially in these hard times for ammo. Um, again, and if you, and if you can choose, get a bolt gun to practice with if you want to do a rifle, and go over twenty-two, use a bolt gun. Yeah. Yep, yep, and, okay. and and you can you can also big thing for guys who aren't rural is say Auckland based, Wellington based. You can shoot at like pistol clubs, NZDA ranges, fifty meters. True. Shit, you can shoot small bore. I don't not really positional, that probably wouldn't come under their rules, but um, a lot easier to sh to get a place to shoot. Like I'm doing all my practice at the moment at 50 meters on paper. Um, because <clears throat> obviously, yeah, it's just how it's working out, but yeah. it's um, it's worth worth its weight in gold. I, I feel like I should have done it a long time ago, but that sort of um, that satisfying ring of steel at long range is um. It's a bit hard to sort Predictive. of uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 the trouble is if I'm putting fucking bottom of plate or top of plate or left or right, it's inconsequential, right? Especially if it's like a two three mi target. But if I'm shooting paper, it's like ooh, I I can't forget that shot that I sent low because I can see it like it's all mm. fuck it's right there. It's glaring like the mind soon forgets a miss when you have like four good hits after it, right? So your, your brain will sort of um, railroad you onto the success rather than your failures. So, but paper, you look at it and go, well, there's three good shots there and then there's two really bad ones. So, um, you know, look at, my, look at my three round group in the middle of the plate. That's awesome. But you just don't talk about the two that were completely.
completely, completely off. When I do that on paper, I'm like, <laughs> flipping out. So, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't do low development on, with, on a steel plate. No. <laughs> Maybe you can validate on it, but yeah. Validation, yeah. Paper, paper, lots and lots of paper. Yeah. All right, lads. I'm uh, going to go wrangle small children by the looks of it. Your children, I hope. Yeah, but okay, good. <laughs> I believe so. He's he's in Auckland. He's in uh, three what three point seven? Yeah, so three point seven Delta. Yeah, yeah, picnics, picnics. Yep, very good. All right, lads. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Thank you very much for those who tuned in, and um, yeah, hit us up online, offline for questions as well. Subjects you want us to focus on um, from beginning through to overly in depth but yeah like i said uh earlier we've got guys from different disciplines looking at some collectors different bits and pieces as well expanding a few different subjects so hit us up love to hear from you all right guys questions we haven't started the other podcast yet beg your pardon the after hours yeah no 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 no. so graham's already requested videos so he's kind of in a roundabout way saying send him photos um Blair will be the first person sending them. Anyway, it's going to go wrong. All right, gentlemen, I'll see you later. All right, see ya. Ciao.